All right, Jacob Schmidt, my good friend, fellow naturopathic medical student. And today we speak about our journey in becoming naturopathic doctors, our struggles, our insights, uh, and the spiritual path related to that. Um, so how have you been lately? I feel like I didn't ask you that in this in this warm up for this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, we've been I've been a mix. I've been a mix of good and tough. Um, online school and learning isn't my jam. We kind of mentioned that a little bit, um, but we did move to we're renting in a house now. We have this little like mm. tucked away property, and it's we got like almost an acre worth of land, which is kind of crazy. Important. I don't know how we found it, but we're like gardening and we're outside a lot. And so that's been really nice. Um, and then I guess on a more personal note, we've been doing marriage counseling too, which is really good, but holy crap, really hard. <laughs> Definitely like will work you, um, your vulnerability and go into, you go into places that you didn't want to go into that are uncomfortable. Um, but they produce a lot of beauty and health. So all to say, I would say overall, like really good, good in the sense of like, kind of like sweat on my back and fruits coming out of the ground. And then pretty soon I'll be sitting down on my porch having figs or something like that. Mm -hmm. As a metaphor, if that makes sense. So overall good, but it's definitely costing a little bit. Yeah. So as far as the marriage counseling, what's so what's so difficult about that? Is it like, the fact that you have to like sit next to your wife and tell her like what you like don't want to say to her directly or I just wonder like what the difficulty of that is yeah um marriage counseling in general I might not be able to speak to obviously and I think everybody knows this but it's this is like my experience I bet even if you asked her it'd be slightly different mm. um if not drastically different um but yeah and it just depends on everybody has like somewhat underlying similar tones but ours is has our own like so it depends on like what your what the struggle is for like that one, a particular couple I guess I would say for us it's um both of us have learned to we've learned to get along but what you really want in marriage in my perspective and my belief is like unity and that's ability to go into a vulnerable space with each other and hold space for each other there. Um, but it's hard when somebody's vulnerability triggers you and then your vulnerability triggers them or maybe the way you react or the way you share. And so you create walls and you create systems. And so we've learned, Vanessa and I have learned to really get along with each other, um, but it's difficult to go into those vulnerable mm. places. And that includes like what you really feel but it's not just like, like you treat me like dirt. It's not, it's not so much that like that's there, but it's really these like real vulnerability is like, you know, when my wife acts a certain way and it causes me to become defensive, it's like, we can talk about that, but the real vulnerability is getting into the, like, when you said that, that made me feel like I'm inadequate. Mm -hmm. The real vulnerability is I feel inadequate you know, and less about like how she responded and acted. That's important. How you re react and respond is important, but it's more about get poking at those things that are like, oh man, I don't want to talk about my insecurities as a mm. human. I don't want to talk about the areas that I 
you know, because that's like tender and raw. And what will people think of me? And what will I think of me? And what if I'm not enough? And what are these, those kind of like underlying themes? You have to go into them and they're painful. And sometimes you, sometimes you use examples to do it. And that can be really, that can be really difficult. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so hard to, um, because they come from like deep, long standing, um, self-beliefs and things that have happened to us. And they're like really close to our heart and like deep. And when you're, um, in a really close relationship with someone, it's like, you're always kind of like a little bit vulnerable and it's kind of interesting too, in regards to life in general, because we're actually really vulnerable just being alive, right? Like we, we Mm. set up this mentality of like, everything's going to be fine and everything, but like, what about the inevitability of death? Like, what about just the kind of preciousness of, of this moment and the fact that you really never know what's going to happen. The thing that always trips me out when I think about it, it really inspires me to, um, try my best to have those like genuine conversations with people, even if they're difficult and sometimes they don't happen because they're so difficult is like, what if, you know, you talk to someone and that's the last thing you ever say. And like one time it'll be right because like there has to be like an end. Right. So anyway, it's very morbid, but I think this is where it comes into the meaning side of life because in spite of all this, in spite of the transience of life, the inevitability of death, still life is beautiful. You know, you go outside, you see the trees, you see people, you see love, um, you find work that you love that brings out like your heart. And it makes sense, but only when you're focusing on that. If you're not focusing on that, then like the, the reality of life, the unsavory aspects of it become the primary focus. Um, and at the same time, they're, I think they're inspiration for, for living in the moment. Cause it's like, I mean, what else are you going to do? Right. So I think yeah. that's a big part of healing. So let's segue that into our, our journey of becoming naturopathic doctors. So we were in the same uh, class cohort for a little while, right? We were in structure yep. function, learning like anatomy, physiology, doing all our grinds and, and all that. Um, but I want to see how you've been doing uh, in all that, how, how you've been growing, things you've been learning about yourself. Um, for, for people who might be listening to this and don't really know what naturopathic medicine is, or maybe they're looking at a school or something, mm-hmm. and they want to see what it's like. Yeah. Wow. Um, so how's my journey with natural medicine been? Yeah. Like kind of the... Yeah. Like um, insights that you've gained as you progress forward. Um, what kind of uh, what kind of doctor you want to be? The the important things. Yeah, um, I think that the simple answer is I'm still just like on this journey that I have no clue where it's going or how it's going to end up. I have a general, you know, it's like looking through a telescope through a foggy lens. Like I could kind of see what's in front of me, but not really. It's far away and it's a foggy lens, so it's like kind of crazy. And you go through, you know, it's interesting. I was, I just listened to a lecture from Dr. Scarlett today on ethics. And she talked at the very beginning. I love Dr. Scarlett. She like opens up with like, um, just like about like just us as practitioners and professionals. 
And one point she mentions that like that feeling of that, like waves of like feeling confident and then insecurity and then confident insecurity. She's like, it's crazy in medical school. Um, but she's like, it still continues through life. She's like, mm -hmm. they get, they get further apart and they're less, you know, you don't go as far up and as far down, you know, you're a little more stable, I guess, but she's, you know, she's been practicing a while and she's like, I'm still dealing with this. So there's like, there's that comforting element because I was having the other day of like, just thinking about like the time and money I'm investing into this and like, what do I really want to do? And what do I really want to see happen? And is it necessary to get this MD degree to do that? That's like the kind of question. And then thinking like how much I do know. And then other moments where I'm like, I don't know anything. And I don't know if I want to do primary care, but I do, but I don't at all. And so you get in this mix and you're like, should I go to PA school or do something else so that I can, you know, bill or have a degree under my belt, even though that's not necessarily what I want to do. And mm. so there, you go through phases of like insecurities and securities and it, it kind of gets mixed up. And there's this kind of like what you mentioned is there like, we think we're in control. I, I heard somebody give a quote pardon me for not knowing who, um, but it's like we feel, especially in the Western world, we feel that we can control about 80% of our life when it's really like 15 to 20. Like that's how little we control. So there's that learning that balance. I feel like this journey for me has been, while it's been about herbs and it's been about like pediatrics or mental health or religion or whatever it is all those things while it's been about that like there's this underlying tone of like remembering why i joined medicine mm -hmm. in the first place and what i'm really going for and and being accepting that unknown accepting that like it's a part of the journey and it's part of like i don't have to i don't have to surrender to the fact that there is no future for me as an nd because i'm seeing people and they're scared like that it's okay to have that feeling but that's not necessarily like the truth of my future. Bring up you know, uh, so many good that. points there of the, like the struggle of becoming something, right? And you don't really, you only see like what's in front of you. You only see like the work that you have to do today. You only see like the thing that you want to learn today. You only see like this and you don't ever really see where it goes. And that's, what makes life in general so uncertain for, for any really career path, because it's almost like the way I think of it is I'm trying to, in a way, find myself through this education because like only my own like inclinations, my passions come out. Like when I try things, when I go in this direction, go in that direction. And then you kind of like get some kind of idea of like what you're interested in, what brings you like fulfillment. And you just, for me, I find like that's the only guide that's been even reliable. And the only thing that has helped me when I'm like uncertain is like, when I feel uncertain of my future, I just think about like, well, am I doing the things that I'm really interested in love today? And like, why am I doing them? Right? Like it, yeah. the, the foundations of healing, like why, what drives somebody to want to be a healer? In the uh, Tibetan um, medicine tradition, they talk about like meditating every day on the medicine Buddha. And um, basically seeking that reason for why you want to be a healer every single day, because mm -hmm. you have to keep finding it from within yourself because it's a, any path is difficult. The path of uh, 
being a healer is, uh, has its own particular difficulties because like I was mentioning um, in another conversation, we're directly intervening in people's lives paths, right? But then at the same time, it's that paradox of everyone's health is really their own. And as naturopaths, that's kind of what, um, what our main focus is, is like guiding people, giving them information, et cetera, so they could find their own health. But it's like, what inspires us to do that? And for me, when I dig down and I'm still digging down, right? Cause it's like a constant digging. It's, um, I just, I want to help people in like the deepest way possible. Like that. Right. I feel like I love myself. Like I, I love, um, learning about like the minds and psychology and dreams. And that's kind of like, it's kind of uh, forming into this kind of like specialty almost for myself that I, it's really weird though, because I had inclinations of this like eight years ago, but I just like didn't follow them. I was like, no, no, like that's not eh, whatever. Like that's not really the path, but it's like you maneuver around through life and you, you find a way to, um, still follow your passion from wherever you're in. You kind of like are swimming around and trying to find your way. And that's all part of it, you know? And, you know, it never ends. As you mentioned with uh, Dr. Scarlett, it's not like one day you're just going to be like, I figured it all out. Done yeah. guys. Now yeah. I can just chill. Like that never happens, but we see media and we think that that's actually how it is. But if you yeah. see the people behind the the facade that's put up a lot of times yeah. by yeah. everything that's like very promotional etc you see that the reality is actually much more complex that yeah. even people at like the highest level of achievement are fundamentally unhappy with themselves yeah and but we like put that on a pedestal of like this is this is the way to be yeah who, who decides like what's the way to be you know yeah right yeah, <laughs> the journey's been interesting to say the least. We should, we should definitely help people find within themselves what that is for them. Yeah, yeah. Like and social media is definitely has its beautiful perks to it, but definitely has that too of that mm -hmm. inaccurate presentation, which feeds into other people's inaccurate drive for life mm -hmm. goals mm -hmm. for things that aren't going to actually fulfill them. And I, I totally see that in you. You are, you are, I mean, you have a philosophy background. So your goal is to like get to those deeper. I mean, you even mentioned like the meaning of life, like even just that, that's like a big, that's a big statement. Just that alone, that makes everybody have so many different reactions just alone. And that's kind of like the fundamental of like who you are. And I can, I can relate to that. Like, why do I want to be a healer? Is like kind of that like deeper level which is part of my reason of asking, like, do I need to be an ND to do that? Do I need this degree? Um, and I don't think, you know, I think there's a beauty in no, I don't need this degree. Like I can be who I am is who I am, regardless of whether I'm an ND or whatever. Um, but there's a beauty in what I can do with this degree. And mm. I think it's the right choice for me and like those things. But it's, it's not like um, ND was the only path that I could have taken to fulfill my uh, calling. Isn't that trippy to think about that you could have been in a completely different career path and would have been a completely different person? Yeah. Maybe have been with another person. Yeah. Would have different yeah, friends, think, would live somewhere else. 
and you would have completely different interests. Yeah. <laughs> to some degree, right? To some degree. Yeah. Now I want to put a little uh, uh, exception to this. I think like whatever our soul's passions are, are always like seeking to break through in whatever we're doing. And when we feel like, I feel like when we feel like we're not like satisfied with our path or we're uncertain, it's a calling for one of two things. Um, either to redirect their path or to go back to the roots of the path. Because like, that's where the truth of the path is, is like the original reason, like why we wanted to practice natural medicine versus conventional medicine. I know you were considering going to um, uh, MD school, right? And I was considering going to DO school. My parents were, you know, strongly recommending it. My dad's a DO. So he was like, yeah, it's kind of like, it has some holistic elements. I looked into it and I was like, yeah, it has a little bit. But then I was just like, when I looked at it, I was just afraid, but not like in a good way. I was afraid of like being trapped in something that like I didn't believe in. And like, you know, maybe I would get a good paying job and maybe I would figure it out, but I just didn't see like, I didn't see that life. I didn't see that life of security. And a lot of ways choosing to be a naturopathic physician or doctor, depending on where you are, is it's a road uphill, you know? We're not licensed in every state. We're licensed in like 23 states. In Oregon yeah. here, we have like a beautiful scope of practice. We do pharmaceuticals, labs, everything. But in other states, it's like, you can't even call yourself a doctor or physician. And we're learning like pretty much as far as I understand, um, many of the things that MDs are learning. We're learning like how to do physical exams. We're learning how to, what the labs mean. In fact, that's what we're focusing on. In fact, our education in a large part has been like, 80% learning how to be like a family care practitioner and like yeah. 20% like here are some resources for learning about herbalism yep. <laughs> for us to look into our own. And thank yeah. God I like procrastinated on my schoolwork to study that stuff on my own because yeah. right now I'm seeing is like, you know, that was actually the smart thing. Sometimes just get a C in the class and spend a few hours studying your passion because like everything is just like a vehicle. Yeah. So it's an interesting yeah, path, a- man. That's good. I, I, a good friend of ours, uh, if I should say, uh, Jared Pistoia, he said, you start learning when you stop studying. Mm. (laughs) It wasn't even like, it wasn't like this great epiphany moment. He just like, we were just having coffee and talking about Oscars or something like that. And he just like said it. And I was like, yeah, you're (laughs) like, that's so true. The same exact thing. Like you, you need to know those you know, it's kind of like we talked about earlier, like you need to know the basics of like what meningitis looks like, even if you're never going to see it, like you need to be aware. But so like pass your exams, get the general, have the basic foundation of knowledge. But like your true like learning comes from what you're passionate about and spending time on that and watching another video that said this or a blog that said that. And obviously you can get lost in that and you need breaks from that as well. But there's there's a lot of truth to that. Mm. like learning from your own passions and letting that drive you. And there's a lot to be said also for if your main goal is to, is to help someone in any way that you can to maximal benefit. Sometimes the passion can be in learning the thing so that you can do a service for somebody that's helpful. That may not be your favorite thing in your world, but you know, it's important. Right. And then you kind of transcend yeah. like almost that's even good. like a selfish self-interest of like, what do I like love to do? Like, yeah, I want to talk about your dreams, yeah. but they're like, yeah, but I have this like crushing headache and I'm just like, okay, well, that's why you need to know all that headache stuff because you got to keep people safe. And that that actually comes first before you, you it's like, uh, what is that? Maslow's 
hierarchy where first you need like your basic security and health and like physical safety. And then you need like your food and living situation. Then you need like a social circle, like builds kind of up in a pyramid of your basic needs. And towards the top is like all of the meaning and spirituality. It's like, if you're homeless and you're in terrible health, like it's difficult to think about things like the meaning of life and everything. And we're blessed yeah. to even have that question because in like the yeah. struggle for life, you can't really think about it. So I, I wanted to ask you, how has your understanding of the universe, spirituality, religion, uh, Christianity helped you along your path, guided you in like tough moments? Um, giving you inspiration. Yeah. So for me, as you, as you know, cause I've said it to you so many times, um, for me really like Jesus is everything. He really is like just it's just, I don't know what else to say other than just everything. My passions, kind of like we talked about, like our deeper desires to be a healer is like to see people realize their own identities and who they are and their own value. Um, kind of similar how I mentioned to like, I don't necessarily need to be an ND to be Jacob. Like seeing that in other people. Now, ND is a beautiful way from my identity to like flow out of. It's a beautiful outlet and I think it was the right choice. Um, but to like kind of go back to those foundational things. So for me, is that like my understanding of the world is all dependent upon who I know is God and my relationship with him and um, that communication, whether that's through community because God made us for community or if it's one-on-one -on -one, like every morning I spend time with him. I have like coffee and I sit on my back porch and I just like talk with him or read my Bible or, or something. Um, just spend time like you do with a person. Um, and so in those hard times, it's easy to get, you know, you were kind of mentioning like what the world thinks and what this is projecting and what that's projecting. Even with like COVID, it's hard. Like that's a good example of like, it's hard to like get a real grip on like what's happening just because news is so crazy and people's opinions are so crazy and, and for good reasons and maybe accurate, maybe not, but it just starts to swirl, you know? And so you're trying to back to that like 80% control, but you're really not controlling anything. You're trying to like grasp at these things. And I'm trying to, you know, my mind is telling me or this education is telling me that I need to like be, you know, be a TA for a class or be a part of a club so that I can get better, whatever, whatever resume experience or whatever it is, or this exam I need to know because like it's going to affect my grade or what if I don't know the signs of meningitis or what if I don't, then I'm not going to be a good physician. And then, I, so you see how that just starts to swirl. It starts to go and it starts to like collect. And I have people in my life that I really trust and love, especially my wife. Um, and that's part of marriage counseling is developing that relationship even more to be vulnerable with each other who when I'm in those moments can like remind me like, who I am or what I'm there for, or like what really matters. And so my view of the world, like that's where it's really come into play is terms of natural medicine. And that, and that's like, 
really it's being very general but that can like be from hard situations like how do i deal with this patient or just am i like doing the right thing am i in the right program am i you know spent this money and time on it is it really what i want to do having those moments which come and go and and all of us that that relationship i have with jesus is like the anchor for all of that and it comes out of like scripture says that his his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Like, so are the skies higher than the the ground. Like his thoughts are higher than ours. It's kind of like you were t- we were talking about like the iceberg and all, we only see the top percent and like, that's all we can see in this world and understand in this world. It's something like out of the world that we can like measure, taste, feel, see, et cetera, me- like interact with. It's only like 6%. The rest is like dark matter and other crazy, you know, uh, physics theories things that we think are going on but all to say it's just like we're just seeing the small tip of the iceberg and so my my security my foundation my truth the thing that i lay my life on um, and have to go back to is jesus who has that full understanding who can see the whole picture and it's not about like we always want the security we want to grab and hold security of like understanding everything and controlling it and being able to um, alter my own health, being able to, which are beautiful things that we can engage in. I can influence my health with my diet and exercise and mental capacity and meditation and breathing and all these things and herbs. So much I can do that and that's beautiful and I will do that. I'm going to do that. But even before that is like this, I feel like that's kind of like the thing we keep talking about is this like balance between like doing and accepting. And for Mm -hmm. me, a lot of like my view of the world and um my relationship with jesus is that is like he's my reality and he's my truth and even that is a is its own learning process even that is like i thought god was this but he's not he's that or like or really it's just like uh here's a here's a good way to i guess phrase it c.s lewis has this quote it's like right now the way we look at the kingdom of god and god himself is like looking at the sun through a raindrop so we can like see it, but we're just seeing like a piece of it. And one day, like with death for us, like physically, but one day we'll be in like the full presence of God, which is like standing in the sunlight and being fully immersed in it. And so there's there's that experience in life is even if anybody's read a book multiple times, they'll know like the value of like you know, the third time I read that book, I like saw this or watched a movie or whatever it is. You're like, I didn't notice this until I saw it the 15th time, you know, things like that. And that's kind of a beautiful thing in the Bible is it's just like, it's, I mean, you, I will do, I will read that thing until I'm 80 years old and I will hit 80 years old and I will open up a page I've read thousands, literally thousands of times and I will read it and I will weep because I'll have a new epiphany about how beautiful and how good God is. And how good we are in his presence. Like that's like the beauty and the level of that. It's like every day slowly, little bit by little bit, we see more of God's character. And I say all of that just to say that even that is in itself is a process. Even even finding God as my security and surrendering my control for his, even that is like a process that I talk about as if I'm practicing, but even that is hard. Mm. So my my view of what God is, I think, has changed a lot uh, over my life. Um, and where I'm at now 
is it seems to be, for me, a word that describes the great mystery of, of life, of ev- everything outside of us, of the origin of the universe, of uh, the origin of life itself. And whenever you have like an experience of that, like maybe you're going for a walk and you just like, you see the like leaves just like sway in the wind and you see like the sun glistening for a second and you're like, oh, that's what it is. My question for you is this is something I've been trying to search for is like, is that relationship with God and and Jesus from within that tradition? Is it is it like somehow tied to your own like soul is like God, like somehow your deepest soul or cause I have a hard time of understanding of like, if you're speaking to like divinity, are you just talking to like that part of yourself that is that, or, you know, that's cause a great question. You're right. <laughs> that's um, like a serious theological question. Yeah. That's actually, I would say that's a beautiful, that's like a, such a beautiful question. And I think, the simple answer is yes Mm. to all the above to like everything and not just like God's everything, but like I guess one more disclaimer I should say is it's not like it's not that too in itself. That question in itself is something that you slowly understand just like the raindrop right now in this world, in this life, we can only understand it so much. Um, and that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Um, but even that, even just trying to understand that is going to change over time and grow. But there's a mix between like God is separate from us and God is in us. And that's what I meant by yes. The answer is yes. It's like, is God like in us and it's something we're talking to, or is he outside of us that we're talking to, or is he everywhere and all around? And it's kind of like, yes, it's like, it's distinct and it's one. That's just like, um, if anybody's familiar with like the Trinity, it's like, there's only one God of the Bible, but he's three things in one. So he's the father the son and the Holy spirit, but he's one God, but there's three of them and they're distinct and they talk to each other, but it's only one. So there's like this, like, how does that even work? Like it doesn't, it's really interesting. And so it's like, there's only so much you can understand about that. But all to say is like, I think, a, um, a thing to like note in particular and this isn't to disrespect your views or anybody else's at all. It's just like what I, what I've come to process is I really believe that God, that Jesus isn't an energy. Hmm. I think that's an element of him. It's like God, it's like saying God is love, but love is not God, but it's a character of God. Like God is a person. He's a real human being that you can communicate with and talk with. He's in us. He's around us. He is in the tree. It's like the trees, like right now I'm looking outside and there's like the sun. It's like, it's not golden hour, but just the way the light's hitting, it looks like golden hour and it's just beautiful. And so you see God in that. And so it's kind of like a reflection of God. It's like you're seeing parts of him and it's, and it's, it's showing a bit of who he is. Like Paul talks about in his writings that we carry the fragrance of the Lord. Like everywhere we walk around and you, and you'll know these people that like when they walk, they just, they have something about them that you're like, you're the same thing that you're noticing in the light and the trees and the, and the leaves is the same type of thing that you're noticing in people. And you get this very well. I can like tell that you like, you're seeing that 
And so your question is, is that God? Is that God? Is that God? Is he everything? Is he all? And it's, and again, I'm repeating myself, but it's yes. It's like, he's distinct and he's in us. And that's like with the, with the Trinity, the Holy spirit is the one that like, in, in, I don't like embodies us like lives within us. The, the beautiful thing is like God has this temple in the Bible. Um, first he like dwells on a mountain and then he dwells in a tent and then he dwells in a temple. Um, but with the coming of Jesus, the temple is essentially destroyed and we become the temple. We become the place mm. that God dwells, which is crazy because it used to be that one high priest once a year if everything was done properly would go into that place where God dwelt like the physical presence of God once this is like ancient Hebrew uh, practice once a year. And if, and they even tied a rope to his ankle and a bell so that if he went in there and he died because he's in the presence of God and it's too intense and maybe he did something wrong or whatever it is, um, they could, the bell would stop ringing and they could pull him out because nobody else could go into that place. But then Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus brings, so, oh man, this is, now we're sidetracking. But the whole, like, the Bible's just one story, I guess is the easiest answer. And there's this, there's this, like, God wants to be with humans. That's the, that's the, like, in the beginning, God created. And then there's this whole beautiful world that God creates for man and God to exist and co-rule God shares his divinity God shares his rule he's ultimately like the king but he's like I want you to like rule this place and have dominion and it's good you know it's this beautiful thing and then that's broken with sin and all this stuff and so there's all this like here's the rules here's the laws how to like have a relationship with me here's the contract and then none of us can keep that because it's impossible it's impossible <laughs> to like never sin and do all these things and God gets that and so there's this whole history of us like failing miserably at it. And so what God, but God's original intent is the garden. God's original intent is I want to be with you. I want community with you. I want to walk in the garden with you every single day and talk with you and love you. And let's have a relationship. That's his goal. And so the law is fails. It's right. The law is correct, but it fails. And so Jesus comes. And when he dies, that curtain that separated God's presence from everybody else that the priest went into once a year, that curtain was torn physically, literally physically in the temple in uh, Jerusalem, it was torn in half. Mm. And so God, suddenly the temple no longer exists and we're the temple. And it's because of Jesus paid the price so that we don't have to be scared and send one person in once a year, one holy person. You know, I, I, first of all, I love all this. Cause it, it triggers all sorts of like metaphors and like myths within my mind. So the first point you made about God used to dwell in a temple and now dwells in her body. That seems almost like metaphorical for how humanity has changed from like a very externalized view of, of thinking like divinity is outside of us. So like, you know, you have to build like a church or a mosque and that's where God actually is like physically there. This, this ancient like alchemical idea of like the divinity within matter, that that's like actually where God is. Like, it's not like a metaphor. The God is actually in that building. Um, and then that idea transitioning to 
that whatever that God is, is within our own body. Like our own body is the temple that we pray to internally, which is this more like kind of introspective view of divinity of like understanding who humans are. And it makes sense. Like, you know, 4,000 years ago, people were struggling just to survive. Like they, their God was in the world because like the world was like their life and death. Yeah. Now we're like comfortable. We have time to like be safe and we can like look within and like ask questions like, is God in that pedal? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, a, yeah. I'm not just trivializing my own yeah, insights, yeah, right, right. but it's true. You know, like we have that, that amazing ability to, to see that. Um, and then also like, it's, it's really interesting. And in the past uh, episode, we kind of uh, briefly touched over it of how, these ideas within religions became Christianity. How like, um, it, it, for example, Egyptian mythology is like direct correlation. Like they literally have a Trinity. It's like uh, mother, father, and son. Right. And it has like this um, deeper meaning of, it's a metaphor for the mystery of life itself and like how life is created in every moment. And every culture finds like a different way to word it. And they, they find a different understanding and I think religion in a sense, like it grows just like any other field of study and understanding. Uh, because to me, religion is kind of understanding that fundamental question of not only just like the meaning of life, but what's the meaning of my life? How do I live like a good life? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think the way that I view the Jesus story um, myself is it's kind of like a, it's a template of like what is possible for a human. It's almost like whether or not Jesus existed, the story has all the power in it because it's basically saying there was a, a person among you that suffered immensely, just as we all do in so many ways. So this isn't like even like a perfect being necessarily. This is more of like um, mirroring our own imperfection, but the imperfection is part of the beauty because through that struggle, through like all that sacrifice, through, you know, carrying the cross, like we all carry our own cross. We mm -hmm. all like have this burden that, that weighs on us. And it's almost like a guideline of like, this is what's possible for a human if you like live in tune with yourself. And there's even this quote in the Bible that I, I love. I think, um, I don't know if the translation is correct. But he says, uh, Jesus says something like, don't, don't you know, like you all are gods or you all are like the sons and daughters of God. And it's this different view of like Jesus as a person who was, um, if, if historical or if a myth, it's, it's hard to know. I mean, they're so like inseparable. Um, showing people that there's a way to like divinity. But like, it's not like in doing the same things that Jesus did. It's like doing your own version of it, doing like your own, like, you know, cross your own, like crucifixion in terms of like, have you a crucifixion and that idea of when you see God, you die as like actually a hundred percent true because I feel like I've had that experience of seeing something that I don't understand and like just identity, ego, death. Like just where you don't, you feel like you don't exist as like a separate entity. So like that's death and it's terrifying, right? Because we're like, we think we're like, we're ourselves or Jacob and Bogdan. 
But when you see that like mystery, that just gets burned away like that. And it's, it's um, like a, quite literally, they talk about it as like a terrible state and it is, but like not terrible as in bad, but terrible as in like so intense and beautiful that it's terrifying to like anything that you think you understand. It's just like seeing the unknown right in your face. Like you're just trembling in front of it because you know, our own mortality, the existence of our lives, being a human is weird. You know, <laughs> like we're able to reflect on these things, but we still live like an animal life to some degree. Yeah. We need to move around, we need to eat, etc. But then we can like reflect on like what life itself even is. And I think that's like, that's just beautiful. And that's, that's kind of where I, where I come from, you know, with like the philosophy background. And that's kind of what got me interested even in uh, healing because that's what it all comes down to anyway. Like you can't really like study like the meaning of life and not like somehow get to healing because like the reason we're not living our meaning is because like, we're not whole, like we're not healthy, psychologically, spiritually, mostly psychologically and spiritually. I mean, there's, it's being physically healthy is difficult, but being psychologically and spiritually healthy, that's like literally carrying the cross. Cause that's a really tough uh, path of, you talk about like the marriage counseling, like that's part of it. It's like, that hurts. There's no way around it, but you also can't get a good relationship with yourself or with another person without like Going that pain. So I'm definitely really inspired by the, uh, the biblical stories a lot. I, I think about them a lot for a person who doesn't regularly read the Bible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think uh, another thing of note that I think is, probably the most important actually the most important reason why i follow jesus why i like at one point decided is this what i really want to learn or is this just my parents faith telling me Mm. that god exists is like every religion and every like i I should say pseudo religion even ones that are like atheistic but it's like you know this is how you reach whatever the perfect humanity Mm. um Every single thing is what do you do to get there? Every single one. As far as I know, I haven't, I haven't run into one yet that isn't, doesn't have that element in it. And with Jesus, it's the, only, it's the only one I'm aware of that does the opposite. Jesus does it for us. Mm. That's, the, that's the craziest. Like the, the gospel at the key of it is we can't be perfect. And so God... God made it so that we are perfect, if that makes sense. Mm, and so it's, it's hard this idea to like, of like grace, this idea of yes, like, you, don't, you can't do it yourself. You can't earn anything, any of it, any of it, like literally. And, and we, mm. and I should say Christians are, and this is, I think, one of the biggest reasons why people have such a problem with uh, religion, but especially Christianity is because we believe that, but, and so we, we always fall into this like, yeah, you're perfect. Yeah, you're saved. Yes, like Jesus loves you, but you have to read your Bible, but you have to never do this, but you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to. And so we, 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 turn, we turn what Jesus is trying to do is like, Jesus is saying, I did it for you. And the, the only thing we do is let go of ourselves being the one doing it. That's the only thing we do is finally letting go and being like, I can't make myself perfect. But you, when I, like when I talk to Jesus, he, he never calls me any, any name of imperfection. And I, I'm, 
Like I never get that feeling ever, never once. He, I've been convicted. It doesn't mean that my behavior isn't important. It doesn't mean that my sin doesn't, and, and by sin, it just means like wrongdoings. That's a whole nother thing, but that, that doesn't have impacts on other people, that that's not important. It doesn't mean that, but God looks at me and he sees what Jesus has done. And so the blood of Jesus has covered me. And so now when God looks at me, he looks at me in royal white robes. That's what he sees me as. He sees me as I've got a crown on my head and I'm his son. Like he sees me as like perfection because Christ has done that for me. Christ has brought, I could never reach nirvana. So Christ brought me to nirvana. And that's the difference. And so what Christ models in his life, he models what a perfect human is and who we are, not who we can be. Mm. And it's, and so you're, but the struggle is like, okay, if I'm perfect, why do I still like mess up on these things? And that's, that's a whole process in itself. But even then, even when I mess up on things, God still doesn't call me those things. He still calls me. It's just kind of like what you're mentioning. I think we were talking about like eating is like eating healthy, not because it's like what I need to do to be healthy, but it's because I want it. It's because like, it's like I was made to eat veggies. So I want that. Like, I just mm -hmm. genuinely want that. And that does, but there's plenty of moments where I'm like, screw it. I don't want this. Like other feelings, other, other thoughts, other lies come in. Other things tell you, other things tell me. So, this is this is a good example of the simple gospel. I spend time with the morning with God. I ask him questions and just have a conversation. And he gives me an image of how he sees me. And he gives me a name. This is the identity piece I was talking about that like means so much to me. God will give you your identity because he's made you and he's put it in you. And so he'll show it to you. Mm. You've seen glimpses of it, but he can like reveal it to you. And even that is a whole process of like, that's a whole process in itself. But so God like shows me an identity of myself. And so I have love and affection for myself and for God and my wife. And then I go through my day and that deteriorates and I start to think of other things and I get distracted and I think that I need to do this. And what, what really happens is like the enemy. So we, we say the Satan in our aspect, and it doesn't mean necessarily the devil himself, but just like his realm, his lies. I mean, he's come to lie, cheat, steal and destroy he's the father of lies so the biggest thing and we talked about adam and eve the first mm -hmm. thing he does is lie to them he says you'll become like god if you eat this fruit but they were already made in god's image and so that's what happens throughout our day is the enemy says oh jake you know like i know god said you're perfect but like you haven't listened to that lecture today and the, oh do you see the time <laughs> i'm not going to talk with your wife later today and then she's going to be upset at you because you didn't spend time with her. And then look at the garden. You know, you just start. And so I start to fall. So what I what happens is I start to believe that lie. I believe that lie rather than the truth that I'm in holy robes and I have a crown on my head. And I'm a king and I'm a son of God. I'm a prince, you know, and you are, too. And so is my wife. And so is the people around us. And it's hard to see those things when we have pain. It's hard to see those things when we have lies. It's hard to see those things when we have a past of, of trauma. And all those things, again, I'd like I, it's this weird balance between the two. All of those are important. They're so important. But they're not like the in factor. They are important. God will use them. And like you said, it, it is like this, like you've got to go through it. Like you talked about, like we don't, we want to avoid it and stuff. But you got to go through that pain. Marriage counseling, you got to put in the work. 
And by putting in the work, it just means showing up and being there and learning it, you know, and going through the pain. And so God won't like, God never promises a pain-free life. He's like, but he'll walk us through it. It's like, it's such a difference when I have to face pain myself versus when I have like a father that like holds my hand and walks me through it. It sucks both ways. In both instances, it's going to hurt like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like shit. But uh but but it's just but there's such a difference when somebody walks mm. with you. And especially when it's like the God of this universe who loves you, who's affectionate towards you, and who never changes. I will change, I will mess up, I will fail for my wife, mm. she'll fail for me, but God will never fail for us, even though it'll look like it. That's a whole nother thing. And there's space for that. And God can take our, like, I get mad at God all the time. You know, that's a whole nother topic, but. It's, it's almost like a tool for finding the spirit yourself. Cause like, it's, yes. it's some kind of paradox yes. where it's like, you have to toil because like work is what brings like fruits, but you also have to like accept yourself and your own failure because it's going to happen. And you can't like really do either without the other. So it seems like that's the paradox is like, you have to struggle for it, but you also have to accept it at the same exact time, like with no separation between the two ideas. Like you already are what you're trying to become, but you're still becoming it anyway. It's like, it goes beyond like the rational minds and it makes a lot of sense too. And it ties back to, you know, just everyday life, you know, it's like you, we set certain plans for ourselves. Right. And then like, we become prisoners of these plans because we don't have like the ultimate wisdom to know, like, what is the best way to like structure day? And like, what, cause we're all going to die. Let's start from there. So it's like, okay, you get your work done, but like, whatever. So like yeah. along the way, what's the best way to live that life, you know, in the moment, and a lot of that is out of our control. And it's yeah. like, we need to organize ourselves to, to, do, to do the things that are important to us. But we also have to let go for spontaneity because then we don't actually let life in. Yeah. You know, it's like, imagine this, right? You're just like working on like a lecture or something. And like your wife comes in and she wants to talk and it's about to be like the deepest conversation you've ever had. But you're like, hold on, honey. Like I just need to finish this for an hour and you just never have the talk. And that's how most people live their life always. And you can never really know like what is what. So it's like, that's why being a human is so hard because like we make decisions, but we also have to be like open to life. And that's the paradox. Like, if you don't like plan something, like you just go straight into chaos and like, you know, there's like that saying in the Bible, it's a little bit funny. Um, like an, 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 what is it? Like an unoccupied mind is the devil's workshop or something like that. Where like, if you, there's some like saying like that, I, I'm paraphrasing, but it's basically like, if you don't keep yourself occupied with things, like all the negative thoughts fester, like, so keep yourself occupied. Mm. But like, also live life experience it because at the end like when you're in your like i think about this pretty often um 
laying, like knowing I'm going to die. Like, let's say I have some terminal condition and I'm just like, oh, well, I think about this as like, what will I actually care about that I did in my life? Mm. Like, will I care that I like listen to the lecture? Yeah. No, yeah. like I won't care at all. But what I will care about is, did I learn something? Did I help someone? Did I enjoy it? Did I have love? Did I, maybe if I didn't have love, did I struggle and did I overcome it? Like those things will be important. But like the thing that you did, like it's, it won't matter. And in fact, it doesn't even matter now. But that's the paradox is like, also it does matter. So like you just yeah. trapped, it's paradox. Yeah. It, it yeah. just makes your mind go blank and then you just live in happiness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's about, that's the, you know, I'm, I kind of laugh because I bet if my wife listens to this, she'll laugh at you saying that because I say that kind of stuff all the time. I, I'm kind, I can be extreme and be like, when I look back on my life, what am I going to like choose? What am I going to look back? And like, I'm never going to remember what grade I got. I don't even remember what grade I got on any of my exams last year. And I can give you a general. I mean, like some of them were this, some of them were that. But there's no exams where I was like, oh man, I wish I studied more for that exam. You know, there's none of that. But at the same time, it does matter. It does matter that I like understand and know what's going on and and know how to take care. Like, so I'm I'm in this weird balance of like, this doesn't matter for this exam. Like, I don't need to focus on it. Like, I need to achieve this, but I do focus on it. Like, but it is important for me to have some sort of foundational understanding to be a good physician that I need to know these general resources or guidelines or rules because I want, because I genuinely want to take care of a patient and that can even help me study better. That can give me more motivation. And when I'm studying out of like, I just have to memorize this. And we, in med school, we get really good at this because by the time we're in medical school, we've gone through so much school and we've gotten good at taking multiple choice exams and studying really hard and vomiting it all up and then not knowing anything and, four weeks, you know, whatever it is, we're really good at that. And the system is set up for that. But there's, but when I can study out of that place of like, actually, I genuinely want to know this, I want to know curb 65 for pneumonia, I want to understand that. So that when I see a patient, I have some sort of framework to work from, I don't want to be ruled by that. I want to be ruled by my studying, but I want my studying to serve me. And that's kind of like, the difference it's the same it's the same exact thing with the jacob can be jacob without the nd program that's but the it's most easy important to thing. fall into it the other way around like the nd program serves me i don't serve the nd program and 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 obviously there's a give and take as far as like the community and i serve the community and those kind of things i don't mean necessarily like i'm just the dictator and it's all about my power it's not about my power but all to say is like i don't have to i don't have to be a slave to the nd program it's Mm -hmm. the other way around that i get to be and it doesn't have to be my slave either it's just that it's a tool it's my tool it's not my god if that makes Mm. sense what you said i think is um been a big insight in in helping me uh, go through this like rigorous end because uh, I'm set to graduate, you know, in a few, in a few months. Um, and we have like so many requirements that um, are set before us. And at first I was just so like, it caused me so much like fear, uncertainty. Will I be able to do this? The fear of failure kind of thing. It comes up whenever any like literally Herculean task gets in front of you. And that's kind of this, 
I actually think about this myth of Hercules, like for this, like it actually helps me because I'll just briefly mention it. Um, Hercules goes through 12 labors. So this king is basically giving Hercules impossible tasks to keep him occupied because he doesn't want him to find out about something or other. So he's like, go do this. And he just sets him off on impossible tasks. Like Hercules comes back and it's done. He's like, what? Okay. He's like, no, go do this then. And he goes through all these labors and, you know, it triumphs in the end, but it's like, you never like know, like everything seems impossible, you know, until you do it. But what's been, what's been really helpful is what you've been saying is seeking to really like learn from the experience. Cause like when you take away all the trappings, like take away like the title and take away like the piece of paper. And this applies to like every educational program, by the way, what, like what skills, what understanding, what like self-transformation, what knowledge is worth working for now? Because like, that's all that's going to stay. Like, you know, having a degree doesn't make you a doctor. It doesn't make you a physician. It doesn't matter if it's an MD degree or DO or an ND. It doesn't make you a doctor. Some element of grace and yourself make you a doctor because you choose that path for yourself. And you don't choose it just like to, you know, make money or just to get through the classes. Yeah. You choose it because like everyone has their own personal reason. But like, you can't really be good at anything unless you learn. Going back to that, um, that Jared quote, and he was he was like on the second episode of this uh, podcast talking about homeopathy. So shout out to Jared. Um, Jared, yeah. When you stop, when you stop studying, you actually learn. So it's like learn first. And you know what I actually found? It's so paradoxical, right? Check this out. So with this approach of like looking at these, um, so we're doing like online, our clinic is online now because of this whole COVID mess. Um, <laughs> so it's a lot, of, it's a lot of hours of sitting and, you know, doing these modules, which are actually very useful in terms of like, they guide you through step-by-step -step, like diagnosis and, you know, what treatments and et cetera. But what's actually made them so much better is approaching them with like genuine interest of like forgetting about the forgetting about the need the need to you know get it done and just thinking about like really like doing it 100% like really looking into the stuff like allowing my interest to take hold not just like bsing the answers because like all I'm doing is bsing myself like yeah they'll like pass me but like is that why I, like I'm trying to live my life like to pass things no yeah. like that's not helpful yeah but what I found actually is that with that interest of like trying to learn from within the thing, of course, getting the work done, sometimes you just have to sit down and force yourself to do it. Like this is like the ideal, right? But if you focus on the learning, it's actually way easier to do the work and you actually do it way faster. Cause you're like, yeah. oh, you get like excited yeah. and you start like going through and you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, oh, it's kind of fun. And you stop thinking of it as work. There's this great uh, Alan Watts quote. He says, um, uh, paraphrasing, to consider work as like a kind of play. That's the highest state to consider like even your work that you think, Oh, I don't want to do it as like a kind of play. And then it just, it eases like a million times of the struggle because yeah. that's what it is. Like when you look at the finality of life, like that's all it was anyway. So like might as well just act like it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. I like that. Uh, it's a good reminder, at least from the, uh, 
the biblical standpoint, I should say specifically that standpoint, um, is that work was cursed, work wasn't the curse. So work was a good thing. Again, like Jesus made, God made man to rule with God. We were, we were given a job, you know, to do. And then when we leave the garden, sin, all that stuff, blah, 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 work becomes cursed rather than. And so you, you have this, what we experience in life on this earth while, while we're in these bodies until, until we're like with Jesus is, is that, that uh, struggle between like, this has been cursed, but I also really love it. I really love seeing what I can do for people and patients or, or this leather that I've made or this purse or this clay thing I've molded, you know, like, it's exactly what you're talking about. This balance between like waking up at six in the morning and being like, I really just want to sit outside in my garden and not do anything right now. Like, I don't want to go to work. But also being like, when you get there and you show up and you're talking to patients and you're seeing changes, it's so rewarding and beautiful at the same time. Well, there's some, there's some element of training to it, right? Because like you, a lot of work is unpleasant because like we're not ready for it in a lot of ways. Like, for example, when you first start running around, like it just sucks. <laughs> Going for a run is just painful. Like there's, yeah. it's, you can like fool yourself and be like, this is fine. And like, we do all those like mind games to keep us going. Yeah. But in the beginning, it's just like really painful, you know? Um, especially if you're like actually really trying to push yourself, if you're not just like going at like lowest pace and everything, but as you do it, like day by day, you start noticing, oh, this is getting easier. Oh, like this is actually getting more enjoyable. I think that's the same thing for anything that's difficult. Of course you push yourself like to grow even from there and then you'll face difficulty again, but with a different mindset with like, um, a mindset of like, this leads to actually like this being easy and making me happy. So like, yeah. it's only like, this isn't to say that like one should be about their work always like elated that they're doing. It's like, no, sometimes it's going to just like suck and you're just going to have to like force yourself to do it. But then like when you're not paying attention, grace, they'll suddenly notice, Hey, you're actually having a good time. How did that happen? I don't know. Like you just <laughs> pushed yourself and just gave up, accepted it, mm. you know? Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, all of this that we're doing is like very unnatural. If you think about it, <laughs> so I think about like, you know what I mean? Like we're yeah. supposed to be like yeah. chilling in trees and like yeah. eating fruits and just like <laughs> beating down people that yeah. are getting in our way and like, you know, surviving and having fun and like everything we're doing is extra. Like this is all extra when you consider from like an animal standpoint. So like, obviously we're not going to want to do it. Like our whole biology is wired to be like, no, no, like go outside. Why why would you sit and like, look at a screen? Are you crazy? (laughs) And it's a good point. Yeah. But that's just our choice to make. It's like, we actually have the choice, but then I think about it. Like when I actually entertain that idea, I'm like, oh, I actually like want to do this. Like, I just like have Mm. to like find my way, like in to like that place. Cause like, it's such a disempowering thing to feel like you have to do anything. It's like, you don't have to do anything. Yeah. You really don't like, and you can say, Oh, what if you fail at a problem? It's like, you could do that too. Like that's an option. Yeah. (laughs) It probably is not a good option, right? (laughs) but it could be for some people. But when I think down that path, I'm like, Oh, like I actually want this. I just like forgot. 
I just forgot that I wanted this life. Yeah. I, everything that's in my life now, to some extent, it's like that 20, 15% thing is from like decisions I made in a lot of ways. Like sure, life is just like, it presented you with opportunities and you, but you still had to like choose. Like, you know, like before we entered school, we had like all these things on our table of like, I could do this, I could do that, I could do this. But like one day we sent applications like for this. So like we decide, like that's the part that we yeah. control. Like mm -hmm. we don't control our opportunities that much um, because they're not like up to us. They are for us to like look into and to work to increase, but we only control like how we choose that. And that's the same thing with like this day, you know, like with this whole COVID thing, like you just have a free open day and we have obligations for school, but it's, it's our choice of like how we're actually going to spend the day. Yeah. And it's, it's like the, it's the scary aspect of actually freedom is like what we're afraid of, you know? like true, like freedom in our own lives. Cause like, it's not like easy to be free because we're not even free from our own minds. Like we're mm -hmm. not even free from our own emotions. Like if you think about it from like a zoomed out perspective, like you have some work to get done and you know, it needs to get done. And like, you just like everything in your body revolts against it and avoids it, even though it like already knows that you'll have to do it anyway, eventually. It's just like a matter of time and you're just making it more painful for yourself. Still like, our emotions will resist. We'll like distract ourselves. We're like, we're not free. Like if we were mm. completely free, we would just be like, and just like, we wouldn't have, but I don't know if anybody is like that. Maybe Jesus was like that. <laughs> yeah, That's actually, that's beautiful. Cause that's what like Jesus brings us freedom from are those things. I like how you're kind of defining freedom because I was actually, I had this conversation with Alex a while back, um, defining freedom and in Portland and modern culture. Freedom is ability to do what you want. Do, do I have the right to choose what I want to do and, and those kind of things. But, it, uh, I would argue that has, and it's not my opinion. Um, it's just the one I agree with. Um, but it's a age, age, age old, opinion of freedom is what you're talking about is freedom to when I have a desire to do something to be able to say no to it to and discipline not not to be confused with discipline to just be like no no don't do it no no but to have a feeling an impulse to eat cake or whatever it is and discipline plays a role discipline is like freedom is like discipline is like a tool in freedom's hand and our true freedom is to have that pull for that cake because my animal mind is like, there's calories. It tastes really freaking good. Get as much as you can right now because we don't know when the next time we're going to get food is. So let's do it. You know, animal brain is like, whoa, 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 go off now, you know. But freedom is to, to have, be able to have control of that and to be able to say no, even though like I have a desire for it. And that's what like, Jesus brings to us. And it doesn't mean that, um, again, it's, it's freedom from being ruled by those things. It doesn't mean you'll never have an emotion to, to it or pain from loving someone because loving people is painful, but it's, or not, but it's not freedom that I will never want cake again in my life. It just won't ever. I mean, that'll happen. Sometimes you'll be, you'll just be on the season where you're eating really well and cake will come by and you'll just genuinely be like, oh, I'm not, 
sounds good, but I'm okay. And that happens. And that's, that's definitely like a, a, a face of freedom. Like Jesus gives us that strength to when school's telling me I need to get this done, when I'm telling myself I'm not a good enough husband, when whatever's happening, Jesus gives us the freedom to choose him. And it doesn't mean it's pain-free or anything. I like what you also said say about I just like your discipline being like a skill. I think that's exactly right. It's like a skill that you train. It's like a mental skill. It could even be a physical skill. Like if you're forcing yourself mm-hmm. to like do uncomfortable physical things like running or like pushing, you know, lifting weights or doing some kind of athletics that are just like grueling. Um, but yeah, like it frees up the way for you to choose your own path. Because like, if you think about it, like if you relax, like all like, what I like really, what is like, it's almost like we view our own lives as if we are our own parents. Like we view our own lives as if, what is actually like the best thing for me to do? Not like what like I temporarily like want to do, but like what is actually best for me overall, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. we, we have that higher understanding and we can only apply it through discipline. Like we have the higher understanding, but we still have to apply it. And this is the, this is the misconception, like anyone who's like, seems to be like very efficient, like very productive, et cetera. People just think that they're like freaks or something that they're just like that. And I'm not like that. But what I've been hearing from so many people that are like very high achieving is like, they struggle with discipline, like every day, just like everybody else. It's like, they're not really the only way, like somebody who's like fully following their path and all the difficulty is different from like us when we're not following our path is that they just, they have more, they have more drive and more discipline to actually do the thing. But it's not like they don't like want to not do other things. It's not like they don't have temptations. It's not like, it's not like even a struggle, even at a high level. It just reminds me that like the human struggle is, it's universal basically. Like the difficulties that we have are what everybody has all the time. And the only people not having the difficulties to some extent are people who are playing it very, like, very like low. Like they're not really living up to their own views of themselves. Maybe they gave up on themselves. You know, maybe they uh, take like certain drugs. Maybe they distract themselves with like media. They do something to just like quell that, like, I view it as like your own soul is trying to speak to you. Like when you feel like crappy that you're not doing something like that's your own soul trying to speak with you. And if you like push it down and try to, you know, distract yourself from it, you know, that voice just gets quieter and it gets more difficult. But when you do the thing, suddenly your soul is like relieved. I think that's like part of the guiding post of like you, I I know like if I had a good day, if at the end of the day, I just exhale and I'm like, ah, Nice. Like, that's how I know I had a good day. There's no other way to know. You know, there, like, even in the moment, there's no way to know. Like, <laughs> you really did all the things that you wanted to do. Yeah. And this doesn't just mean, like, doing work. Like, yeah. it takes discipline yeah. to, like, go for a walk. Because yeah. if, you, if you're, like, you know, always, like, busy with this and that, like, you never find the time for anything. So you don't even yeah. find the time for fun. You don't even find the time for watching a movie. You don't even, because you have to do something. Or even fun. just sit in silence. Exactly. So like discipline is like a a tool, not just for doing work, but essentially 
for doing what you really want mm. in the highest sense, whether that's relaxing, whether that's doing some work, like that's, that's the kind of big insight in all of it, that it doesn't have to be a prison because like, it's only a prison if we like view it as just like a means to an end, like discipline is just a way to make yourself do work. It's like, yeah, but why are you doing the work? Like to enjoy life, to feel like love. Well, like you also, there's other things that are available for that. <laughs> and that's like the, the complete, like when somebody becomes like a workaholic and they're like obsessed with like just getting shit done. I mean, those people are not really happy either. So like, that's not really something to aim for. Mm. So basically this is all very confusing. We figured that out. (laughs) (laughs) Too long. Didn't read. (laughs) (laughs) Story of our life. Right. Gosh. So any, uh, any final reflections on, on your path, maybe some, some stories that have been kind of swirling around in your minds. I know you read the Bible pretty often. Are there any like quotes, anything's like kind of in your mind that you're thinking of, like when you're just like sitting and doing something or when you're struggling or kind of helping you through? Mm. Yeah, there are a lot. Um, first, I should say that we probably should wrap up soon. I need to get ready and make dinner. Um, you know, it's, I would, I would say the easier answer is that it's, it can be seasonal. There's, there's times where I'm reading, like right now I'm reading first Samuel and that's where I'm at in the Bible. And so the Lord's like speaking to me through that. But then there's also like certain verses or like sections that I've like memorized or, or repeatedly, maybe repeatedly go back to, um, that give me encouragement or remind me of who I am or remind me of who God is and my anchor in those times of like, what the heck is going on? Or, or this is a good one. Um, sometimes I will be in a hard place. This is a beautiful thing that God's this kind of character. I will be in a hard place and I will remember a scripture and I will bring it up to him and kind of in a way of like, what the F is this? Like, this isn't, like you said, this was true, but this is where I'm at like you lied to me kind of feeling like obviously God doesn't lie to us, but that's the feeling I'm having. And I can have that genuine conversation with him. And sometimes it resolves right away. Sometimes he'll show me right, right away. Sometimes he'll let me sit in it for a while and I'm still choosing it. I'm still choosing to be ruled by my school or whatever it is. Um, my process. Um, and other times I'm able to like stop and slow down and listen to him and let him like give me the truth. And I mean, those just, I I mean, it's hard for me to like give, I know I haven't given any examples, but it's hard for me to give one because it it changes. And I just, and I love them all. And they all have so much, like I said, like I'm going to be 80 years old and read something again and, and be changed by it again. They're just all so like deep. I would say some of my favorite, my like favorite ones, I just really love the man Jesus. And so I, I literally picture looking at his eyes and I love mm. the story of Peter who uh, Jesus comes out walking on water and Peter and they're in, it's in a storm and the disciples are in a boat and it's going crazy. Um, and Peter sees Jesus is like, don't be afraid. It's me. Cause they're like, there's a freaking ghost on the water. 
And Peter's like, if it's you, ask me to come out. So Peter, and so Jesus says, I come out. And so Peter gets out of the boat. He walks on the water towards Jesus and he keeps his eyes on Jesus. And then it says he takes his eyes off Jesus and looks at the waves, which is a classic, like, we take our eyes off, like, what really matters and what's beautiful and what holds our identity and everything, God. And we look at the waves around us that are crazy. And so Peter sinks because of that. And then Jesus comes over and helps him up and he says, you have a little faith, but it's like loving. It's a really like, it sounds bad to us, but if you actually read the real original Hebrew, it's like really like endearing and loving. Um, but all to say, I love that story because there's this like Jesus's eyes are like the locking point for Peter walking on water. And when he's in this place of looking at God, the father in the form of Jesus, and it is in that beautiful place he's able to do something that is impossible, which is walk on water. But as soon as he looks at walking on water Mm. and can I do this? Can I like, how do I have to, what hoops do I have to jump through to walk on water? He sinks like immediately. And he takes his eyes off. The only thing that was, this is back to the thing that I love most about Jesus is he does it for us. Peter's not magical. He's not a magical human being. He didn't have superpowers that nobody else could. It was the father who did something through him. And so those are like, there's a lot of like things in scriptures. Another one I really like is in John 8. And, it, and it's where Jesus talks about, uh, and then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And we talk about freedom. And so when I know the truth about who I am, when I know the truth about who my wife is, when I see things in the light of him and not in the light of my own view, looking at the waves, then I can like live in that freedom. Then I can walk... It's the same thing as like, you should eat healthy because it's good for you is, is weaker compared to I want to eat healthy because I'm a healthy human being because I was made to be, you know, that's so much more powerful, you know? And so when I hear the truth, it's like, oh yeah, I don't have to be mean to this person. I don't have to be rude to them. Like, I don't have to, I'm a, I'm, I'm a wonderful human being. I love people. Look at this person, you know, and, and so I can operate from that mm. mentality. That that's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's, um, it's like focus on your spirit, your your passions, that greater meaning, and just, just keep focusing on that. And don't get distracted by the imminent destruction that is all around us, yeah. or seems to be. Seems to be. Yeah. Things seem to work out, mostly. Unless you're, um, one of the things that's been flowing around in my mind when things get really hard is like the book of Job, of just like the constant things. You know that feeling where you're just like, you're like, you feel like you're crumbling and it's just like, whoo, whoo, whoo. And you're just like, I don't know if I could take it. And then I just, it'll swirl around in my head. I'm like, oh, interesting. Like, this is like a human experience. Friends, Jacob Schmidt, naturopathic medical student. Bogdan Makarchuk, also naturopathic medical student. Uh, We'll be graduating in a couple of months, hopefully. Uh, God willing. Yes, sir. Uh, (laughs) And my own work ethic willing. (laughs) (laughs) so uh thanks for being on the show i appreciate this conversation this is uh this is one of my favorite ones because we just like completely like usually i have like some questions worked out i just like didn't have any for this one just completely off the script so i hope uh hope everyone enjoyed listening to our two two religious philosophers talking we're also trying to be healers. <laughs> trying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to try. All right, All right, love Jacob. you, dude. It's good to see you. It's a tease. Got to give you a hug soon. All right, good, sir. <laughs>